0: I knew I always wanted to be close to the CBD. The first one really was about what the banks would lend me and where I could buy for that amount. The other two, I just could see that I was doing really well with the first one that I bought so we purchased again. Hey!
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shump, and in this episode, we're continuing the conversation with Janet Durant of Top Shelf Asset Management as she explains how she built up her portfolio to four properties, as well as how she developed the mindset that helped her as an investor. Also, before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free. Amidst the successes of Dharant's career, there were some obstacles holding her back in her investing.
0: I think. Um, probably not having the funds to do it <laughs> to start off with is probably one of the things. But I find with property, um, I on a, a, all other le- levels, sort of like business-wise, I think I can probably hold myself back from um, my full potential. But bro- property's just been something that's really just clicked with me. Um, so I guess I just, when I started, I was like, this is what I'm doing. Just went a bit gung-ho um, and uh, got into it. I was a, I'm not a very good saver um, in terms of my money. Um, so for me, I'm, when I got the property, I'm quite happy to chuck all my money into a mortgage, um, but, you know, and pay it off. Um, but to save money, um, it's a lot harder for me. So it kind of just made sense, um, for savings, I guess, (laughs) which is probably not the right way to, to start it, but that's kind of, yeah, the way that I, I did.
1: Focusing on improving her saving habits and working hard to financially secure herself, let Darren pursue her investing goals.
0: Well, I guess I've um, I've always worked really hard. So um, even if I've had a full time job, quite often I've had a second job um, on top of that. Um, I've just always instead of. Um, my focus has been on earning more money, I guess. So I've always worked really hard and been able to um, have the income to um, uh, what's the word um, to, fund, to to fund the deposits. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. 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 So um, I mean, in the in the first the first instance, um, I was um, a bit lucky in that I had. Um, I think I only had two thousand dollars to my name, to be honest. Um, and but this was all low doc loan sort of thing, and it was all very easier to to get money back then. But mum and dad did um, gift me, and I say that in inverted commas, um, <laughs> a twenty percent deposit, which I then paid off to them. But um, obviously from the bank's mind, the bank didn't think that I had to. Had to pay that back, so that's actually how I did get the the first one.
1: Excellent. Well, that's really good advice, actually. Um, I guess for all the listeners out there, they can sort of look at from that point of view and try to get into the market that way too. Great.
0: Yeah, I'm a bit more about like how do I make this happen rather than just you know sitting there slugging away and trying to save that deposit. I was like thinking of other ways that
1: being fully immersed in the industry allowed Darren to learn on the job and from a variety of different sources.
0: Because I've been in the industry, I guess I speak to property investors on a daily basis. So I just think that um, although I haven't, you know, been out actively seeking for mentors and that sort of thing, I have surrounded myself with people, whether or not it's sales reps or business owners um, that I work with, as well as clients that... um, uh, also, property investing um, and just speaking to them, um, uh, I guess a little bit like what you're doing, interviewing other <laughs> property investors and just speaking to them, working out what uh, not to do and what is a good way to do it.
1: After working with these sources of inspiration, what's the best advice she's received? I think
0: kind of the the buy and hold strategy or the the never selling or selling from a position of, of power, not selling from a position of weakness, um, I guess has been the main thing that I have um, listened to and tried to do. Um, I think that I've seen a lot of people who have, um, you know, of the NWA um, purchase property that may not have been the best um a purchase and then they have had to, you know, sell um, in a, a market that's in the middle of a downturn um, and lost a bit of money on it. Um, I think if you can put yourself in a position where you can ride through those downturns um, and possibly even buying in those downturns rather than when everyone else is freaking out and, and selling, um, I think that um, can go a long way in your yeah, investment journey.
1: Totally agree. Yeah, it's it's really... I guess, being smart about what you do at the end of the day and um, just obviously, no one can predict the market but just knowing, I guess, um, being due diligence is really the key, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely and doing things like, you know, the banks at the moment, I think they um, either want you to be in a position where you can actually pay the the principal and interest loans on the interest-only loans that you may have at the moment or um, when the interest rates go up to 7% and just having those those buffers in place or the strategy in place to obviously um, have other properties that counter um, in those downtimes.
1: Darren takes advantage of her commuting to continue to educate herself.
0: I don't really read books, but I listen to a lot of audiobooks and and podcasts. Um, I think that's been me ever since high school. Instead of reading the English novels, I used to get the audiobooks and um, listen to them instead. But... I do a lot of driving for my job. I currently manage properties that are 60 kilometres north of the CBD and 60 kilometres south of the CBD.
1: So wow, that's a long
0: time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So an hour hour north and hour south. Um, so I spend a lot of time in the car as well. So um, I see that sort of time um, as wasted time because you're driving, what else are you going to do? You can't answer your emails or, you know, send your work orders and all of those sorts of things. So I may as well be learning. Um, during that time. So I guess um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a great one. Um, That one definitely um, is a good listen. I just recently, um, well, I've listened to most of these I've listened to a couple of times, to be honest. Um, uh, The Barefoot Investor, Scott Pape, although he doesn't necessarily recommend property Investing um, until at least after you've paid off your first home Um, and I guess I was a little bit disappointed at the end of that book that you, if you follow everything that he says, that you still end up with a government pension Um, but um, that has some really good ideas just on money management um, in terms of um, where you can save money um, and um, potentially invest your money in um, smarter, low-risk areas as well.
1: Well, can we can we elaborate on that a little bit? Because I'll, I'll, I I've just recently finished reading the B- Barefoot Investor as well too, and it kind of struck me as well as I was like thinking, hold on, how is it possible that he, he's recommending this when you still have to rely on a pension, you know, after putting into low f- super funds and all that kind of like low cost super funds, and um, I thought it'd be su- supposed to be sus- self sustaining, like you know, living off your own income from whether it be shares or or property and having passive income. Um, What are your thoughts on that and and how do you think as investors we should go on a different path to that?
0: I guess um, I kind of uh, have always thought that um, like I don't necessarily believe in handouts and all of those sorts of things. So, I've always had it in my mind that um, I was going to uh, pay my own way um, throughout life as well as obviously in my retirement. Um, I guess the book has to cater for – lots of different types of people, um, and I guess um, people on uh, maybe lower incomes or um, that sort of thing, um, it could get them to a much better position um, than what um, they would have gone if they hadn't, you know, educated themselves and, and those sorts of things. But um, for me, I think uh, my goals are just slightly higher than um, falling under that threshold where you still do absolutely get the, the pension um, for uh, from the government what that is I don't don't actually know what the um, threshold is but um, I I guess I um, would much prefer you know that whole thing of you know um, paying tax still I mean although there's lots of ways to minimise paying your tax at the end of the day if you are paying tax it means that you are actually earning money you know so it's not necessarily a bad thing um, in my mind.
1: Who would you think this book would be made for or suited to for then?
0: Like even um, if I had 10 years ago listened to The Barefoot Investor, like I think that would have been even more beneficial Um to me so I mean I think it's really great for um some younger people like you know when you're just starting out after school and that sort of stuff to listen to that and if you could start a lot earlier I think you'd be um in a lot better position when you come to you know your 30s when you've got a little bit more um of life experience and you might want to start something a little bit more more risky or more um uh you know the investment side of things
1: Looking for resources for more than just investing has led Durant to develop her mindset and focus on her mental health.
0: One I'm reading at the moment, Sarah McKnight, "Get Your Shit Together."
1: <laughs> I like the sound of that.
0: But yeah, it's um, it's all about mental decluttering, basically. Um, so uh, it's really um, really good um, about just um, uh, looking after your mind. And recently, I just finished my. Um, a property diploma, so that I could, you know, um, own a, a real estate company instead of um, just being a sales rep or a, a property manager. And just the the background or the subconsciousness of having those assignments that I had to get done or to finish, um, I didn't realise what a massive uh, weight on my shoulders that was until I actually finished. And then I was like, oh, wow, I actually feel lighter now. Wow. <laughs> It's not just about, you know, obviously decluttering your house and the things that are around you, etc. It's at, actually about looking after your, your mind and just making sure that you're um, looking after your mental health as well just by doing simple things like not forgetting your keys or your phone or, you know, lots of, yeah, very simple things.
1: Managing finances has been a key attribute to the success of a property career.
0: I mean, I, working hard has always been my thing and good money management. So, I... Um, uh, I probably check my bank account way too many times throughout a day. (laughs) Um, but I have budgets, um, I have, um, flow. I know when, you know, all my, um, council rates and strata levies and all of that are due, um, on, you know, the same particular month. Um, and I'm just able to, to monitor that, um, and make sure that I've got enough money there to, um, you know, to pay it. And, um, yeah like I can I don't hold myself back in terms of um spying. like I don't go without things that I want I still go out for dinner have my smashed avocado for breakfast <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. all of those sorts of things but um I can also be um frugal with my money as well and um and manage it well so I know where it's going and um when I need to top something up or vice versa
1: Coming up after the break, Darren takes us through the nuts and bolts of how she built her portfolio.
0: I just kind of got into it and I think um, I think it's really important to have that strategy which I think is what I'm building now.
1: As well as what to look for when adding properties to your portfolio.
0: The other one is because it was a home that I bought to live in, um, it's got a little bit of that home ownership appeal um, which definitely goes a long way when you're, you're looking at um, both capital growth and um, the rentability of the house.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, if you're finding this podcast super informative, then guess what? I'm giving you an exclusive free case study from property investors like this one just for listening. These case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific strategies and numbers of their portfolio. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Now back to the show. Driven by securing her financial future, Darren employed several strategies to acquire her full properties.
0: Essentially, um, I'm looking to be financially free. Um, I guess that um, is what a lot of people are into. Um, I don't. I love to work, so I don't think um, financially free for me is retiring early. Um, but it is being about having having choices um, to obviously decide maybe work part time or you know um, go on holidays when you want to go on holidays and uh, do all of that um, sort of stuff. Just having the choice to be able to do what you want. Um, when you want so that essentially is my um, ultimate aim. I don't think I really started out with a strategy to be honest um, which is something that I would probably do differently <laughs> if um, I started again um, but um, I just kind of got into it and I think um, I think it's really important to have that strategy, which I think is what I'm building now. Um, to make sure that I'm, you know, looking at getting a team around me to um, uh, help me through it, Um, you know, getting better advice on um, the lending. So when I first, um, obviously, I got my first uh, loan fairly easily. The second property I did actually go um, 50-50 with mum and dad. Mm -hmm. So we owned that one. Um, half and half, that's probably something that I might not recommend. Well, I mean, if it's the only way that you can do it, I think maybe it's a good idea as well. But the thing is that the lending, they look at it from, they take the full debt, um, even though you're only 50% liable for that technically, um, but they only take 50% of the rental income. So for um, future loans, it kind of can put you at a little bit of a disadvantage. Um, because it just looks like the return on the investment um, isn't very good for that particular property when they're looking at um, lending mm. again. Um, but I have um, managed to obviously um, always have that 20% equity um, and borrowed on that um, and uh, borrowed, you know, 100% of the, the purchase price, um, which is how I've done it from uh, one to the, to the next.
1: By securing her first property... Leveraging became a major element in an investing strategy.
0: So the second one was a joint venture, um, and the next one was um, using the equity from my first property. So um, that was good. I think that one, um, you know, I purchased at one thirty. Um, I only owed ninety six thousand on it, and it's um, you know worth over two hundred now. So it's you know doubled in the in the time frame. So there's a little bit of um, equity there that I was able to use to purchase the, the next one um, and the one that I purchased to actually live in um, which is now an investment property, um, I did have to uh, do another a strategy where mum and dad helped me with being um, guarantor for that particular or a portion of that particular loan.
1: As she grew her portfolio, the strategy behind the location of her properties began to emerge.
0: I looked in a number of different suburbs, all um, you know, with within 10, 10, 15 minutes of the CBD. Um, I knew I always wanted to be close to the CBD. The first one really was about what my what the banks would lend me and where I could buy. Um, for that uh, amount. Um, The other two, I just could see that I was doing really well with the first one that I bought. So we purchased again in those, doing the numbers. So basically just knowing that um, uh, the rental returns were up at about 8%. um, So uh, they were pretty much, although they they were neutral. Um, It's kind of fluctuated between um, from when we first bought it um, compared to what it is now. The rents in Perth have definitely decreased um, in the last few years, which makes things a little bit harder. Um, and it's probably something that when I go to purchase the next property, I'll think about, um, plan for, uh, you know, rents going down and, and make sure that I can still sustain um, that uh, cash flow and the, the differences between the, the interest repayments and the holding costs. Um and uh the rental amount i think most of them you know my one in scarborough which is 15 minutes from the cbd and close to the beach um was getting 400 a week um it's now just reduced down to 310 um oh wow that's, one.
1: that's a substantial <laughs> job how come
0: it is. Uh, it's the mining boom, I guess, um, okay. and it's flow-on effect in Perth. So um, the ones that I bought in Wembley um, at the peak were getting 250 to 290 a week. Um, they're now getting 180 to 200 which is a massive drop um, yeah. within itself okay. for sure. But they've, I've always bought property that is really easily rented. So I've had very little vacancy rates. Um, also knowing the market and doing it myself. Um, I mean, I, I definitely would recommend getting a property manager, but since mm. it's all in my, my day-to-day um, normal routine of looking after properties, I just, you know, look after my own um, at the same time. But, um, yeah, low, easily rented properties um, is definitely um, something high, Um, on my priority when I'm looking at a a property to buy because you don't want something that's a little bit quirky um, or it's got uh, a few challenges that you could foresee when people are going in. Because even though in a a peak market uh, for rental properties, um, when properties are just renting all the time, you've also got to look at the downturn bit where there is an oversupply of rental properties. And if yours is not in good nick, um, or it has uh, a really tiny kitchen or a odd sized room or you know those sorts of things, um, it definitely can make um, renting it harder and so you can end up with you know the property vacant for weeks or, or months which definitely isn't ideal. My, my priority has been always have an income producing.
1: By prioritizing the quality of her properties to secure her long term financial freedom, Darren is continuing to develop her strategies to meet her financial goals.
0: There isn't a particular size, not in amount. Um, I would really ideally like a hundred k passive income. Um, with what I've got at the moment, I'm very very far away from that. Um, unless I've paid down a lot of debt, um, because obviously with the rent rent decreases, I think you know my annual income was you know just under sixty sixty k um, a year. It's now you know down under fifty. So. Um, I uh, The next properties that I purchase will be a lot more strategic to um, both include um, capital growth properties as well as uh, good cash flow properties so that I can get to that stage.
1: That's excellent. I mean, I have to say it, it's good that you're able to recognize that because a lot of people buy properties and don't realize what kind of revenue that they're generating from it, they just buy because they know that's an investment to hold on to long term because people just follow what the others do. But um, to be able to recognize it and then know, okay, strategically, we're going to have to change it up over the next few few years that you're planning to purchase other types of properties to balance your portfolio or to increase your, your cash flow is actually good, good to know as knowledge and then that helps you to move you forward in the next direction.
0: Yeah oh, absolutely I think and that's the stage that I'm going through at the moment where I'm just listening to so many podcasts and audiobooks and all of that sort of stuff and I'm just wishing that I had listened to these you know back in 2006 when I first bought my property but I also am I learn best doing things so I'm not really a studier Um, And so unless I really had that experience where I just got in there, started buying properties and um, was working through that process, even the offer and acceptance process and the finance process and all of those sorts of things, I think um, I wouldn't be absorbing all of the stuff that I am absorbing and learning now if I hadn't already had that experience.
1: So if Darren met herself 10 years ago, what would she say to herself?
0: Start learning as in uh, doing some research and have a strategy. Um, I would have said to diversify um, in not only the types of property that you own, but also the markets that you're um purchasing in. So, you know, if I, during this downtime in Perth, if I had some investment properties in Sydney, wow, like, you know, (laughs) my capital growth would be, um, still increasing, um, while, um, Perth is kind of, you know, plateauing or, um, you know, not really going, um, anywhere. So it wouldn't put you into a position where you're not in a position to continue to purchase. Um, so just really having a strategy or a plan in place, um, as well as um, educating yourself on um, what best ways to, you know, finance it or the types of properties um, that you are purchasing, definitely.
1: Looking to the future, what is Darren most excited about in a investing journey over the next five years?
0: To be honest, it's just getting back into it. Um, I. Um, I deal with property all the time and although I haven't purchased in the last couple of years, I um, haven't stopped looking um, and I'm just doing uh, researching on, on, you know, different areas that I could diversify in and start um, purchasing in, um, getting to know different people and building a team around me like a, a good mortgage broker and uh, potentially a buyer's agent and, you know, all of those sorts of things um, and looking for those um like in investment grade, I guess, um, properties rather than your, your stock standard rentals that um, yeah, I currently have. Or three out of the four, probably stock standard. The, others are, the other one is because it was a home that I bought to live in. Um, it's got a little bit of that home ownership appeal, um, which definitely goes a long way when you're you're looking at um, both capital growth and um, the rentability of the house.
1: So how can listeners get in touch with Darren?
0: Best way to connect with me is uh, well my mobile 0409-935-592. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, Top Shelf Asset Management um, is, is our is our web address as well.
1: Thank you to Janet Durant, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about her journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Janet Durrant and select that episode to learn more about her story. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, then head over to propertyinvestory.com and subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply visit ProfitInvestory.com to receive your free case studies. Thanks for listening.